Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CAPITAL200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the king of sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a mattress firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Done yet? How long is this intro? Jesus Christ. You guys are the worst. <laughs> Come on, how long is free song? Really, up? guys? Really? <laughs> <laughs> how long can free song be? Good okay, evening, everybody, and welcome know, to Quarter just to so you Quarter. all know, when, when I hit record, Good that my intro is 28 seconds long. Damn it. We didn't even get the intro out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, All right, here we go. Bye. Bye. Radio Bye. Show Bye. 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 Not the first. Uh, really? Won't be the first and it won't be the last. I know, Brian's first. Ha-ha. You heard nope. it. Nope. Hey, that's, that's you. <laughs> and, of course, the Golden Pipes himself. Rob Hefner, what's up? Hello. Hello, Rob. It's nice to <laughs> see a, you What today. a solemn and sad hello. <laughs> it's a tough life, man. It's COVID, man. How the hell are you? We are doing great. How are you, sir? How's the beard? I'm doing phenomenally well. Thank you for asking. And Brian, what's shaking, Daddy? 
yeah. Well, I can't. I can't get into that on a live audience. Did he just call you daddy? He did. That's weird. He knows. He knows. Uh, well, excuse got me. I'm not, I'm not hip <laughs> like these young kids here. Maybe this will sound better. Brian, how you doing, baby? <laughs> Well, yeah, see, he knows. Sounds like Rock Richards <laughs> or Jimmy Flames. <laughs> what are y'all up to? What's going on, Daddy? How's everybody? Good, man. I'm good. Living the life. Drinking a beer. Drinking not watching, a beer. Not watching uh, yeah. NXT. Really wasn't I've got, uh, for this I've got about five fingers deep on the bourbon. That's what she said. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, no. Good Lord. I don't think she'd be saying anything. <laughs> if you go, if you go five fingers deep, she's saying something. Yeah, like holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little devil's backbone hazy going on over here, or hazy, whatever the hell it's called. Now we, so we should we mention further. I've, I've got to bring this up, Stan. Your background, the viewers can't see this. But your background is a bat cave, and you got a fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex in your background. That is pretty goddamn cool. Yeah, Batman's pretty cool. Although when he moves his head, the mic... It does. It's weird, isn't it? It, it disappears, <laughs> and sometimes it looks like it's like right on his chin. It looks like you oh, have a mic. Well, right, you know, a lot of yep, things right appear there. on Stan's chin. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know what? That's it. We're done. Everybody have a great night. <laughs> Look well, at that beard, too. Not showing me yeah. how to change my background. A little bit of COVID beard going on here. Uh, COVID beard, nothing. That <laughs> is like white as snow. Yeah, Santa Claus. Ain't you look like you've aged 15 years. Have you met my fiance? Hey, Santa. Can I tell you what I want for Christmas? <laughs> come, come look Come look at Stan. Come look at Stan. I'm bringing my daughter over here oh, just Lord. to look at Great. Santa Stan. Now she gets to look call at me that again. That's awesome. <laughs> Ew. Okay, everybody, everybody, <laughs> drop this down to PG thirteen. There's a child in the room. No, oh, no, she's heard worse. It's okay. Yeah, I was gonna say she's Brian's kid. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah, so she is literally. I don't know if I've said this on air, but I, I gave her permission to cuss, like since she's been able to talk, right? As long as she does it properly, okay. So what I'm saying is, you just can't blurt out the f bomb just to blurt it out. But if you're like, uh, I, I dropped the, the thing on my effing toe. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> then I'm okay with it. You know, I dropped the plate on my effing toe. Then I'm okay. But if not she's just like, toe. F this, F that, then I'm, you know, I'm not okay with it. Are you a proud dad when she says it and you're like, yes, that's well, how I, we I do was, it. I laughed hysterically. She must have been. I don't know, she was really young, three and a half, four or something. And her mother and her were in the car, and her mom said something derogatory towards a driver that cut her off, and Uh-oh. then she started cussing. And, and, yeah, I mean, all I could do was laugh. So, But she doesn't cuss often. I, I, that's the key. You give them permission, they don't do it. You tell them they can't, they do it all the time. Life lessons. I'm strongly considering putting this, not just our audio, but the video call on YouTube so everybody can see our expressions. I wish you would. I think I'll do it. Oh, look at that that box. Before we go any deeper, before we go any deeper, I need to pay the bills. Pay the bills. Do that. So for all of you people out there, you gamers, you people that go to the gym, you want a good workout, you want to drink, it's going to get you up and going. 
you need this drink right here. They're the newest sponsor, the, the newest partner for us. It's Rogue Energy. You go to rogueenergy.com, click on there, pick out the flavor you like the most. They've got strawberry, lemonade, they've got grape, they got fruit punch. And for you listeners tonight, click in Devor and Diego show for your coupon code. You get 10% off. So once again, go to rogueenergy.com, hit that button, use a coupon code, Diego and Divorce Show, you get 10% off your, your purchase. It's just that easy. And when you drink this drink, it's not like Red Bull or the other ones out there. When you drink it, you get that high, but you don't get that crash. So go to rogueenergy.com, hit that button, select what you want, put in your coupon code for 10% off Diego and Divorce Show and get yours now. What a great way to segue into my first question for you. I know you've been staying ridiculously busy with COVID-19. The DeVore and Diego show has been, you guys are recording more audio than we've done in three years. Is that, well, well, I, no, I, no, I, I appreciate I mean, they're getting close. Um, getting there. <laughs> Damn. How many interviews have you guys done? Uh, we just did the 10th episode in one week, and, and we're very proud of what's going on. And, and I got to give you guys, all of you, Stan, Brian, Rob, we've got to give you guys a credit. You guys um, you, listening to the Corner to Corner podcast, um, Diego and I were sitting here, and because of COVID-19, we're not able to run the live events right now. We wanted to do something to keep the brand alive and to give the talent an option to come on our show and keep their names alive as well. And so we started this podcast, and in less than a week, we've already hit 100 downloads. Wow. Uh, we've got uh, 30, 38% is in Apple Podcast. Uh, I think 32% is in uh, Spotify, and the other is in Anchor. And Anchor has been so good to us. Um, I can't speak enough about this process. And, you know, being the boss, if you will, pulling back the curtain being the boss before I started this process, I would come to you guys and I would say, Hey, I need this done. And, you know, being the fuddy duddy, being the dinosaur. And it didn't matter if I was talking to Stan or if I was talking to Rob or if I was talking to Brian, I need this done. And, you know, I would sit there and think that, you know, you click and it's done. So this, this whole process of learning the software and the programming and everything that goes into exactly everything that's being done you know, it's been a learning process, an amazing one, and I can't thank you guys, and I cannot say I'm sorry enough for the times that I picked up the phone or I texted you at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, damn it, get this shit done. Yeah, so so let me be the first to, to say I think I think you're, you're doing great, right? You're, you're running a great pace, um, but you've only really scratched the surface here, so... Um, oh, just make sure you pace yourself. Yes. Because uh, you've done a lot in in a week. I mean, I'm not going to spoil the guest. Hopefully, you'll get that calendar up or Stan will get it up for you or whoever. We'll find the text pad. We can do it. We'll find, we'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we, we've had a number of good. guests that just that just absolutely blew me away. And you're right. You know, I, we didn't want to we didn't want to, you know, blow our wad, so to speak, in, in one shot. Uh, we've been blessed enough that we had Stro on there. We had uh, Roddy Roddy Piper's daughter, Ariel Toom, 
Uh, we've had Deimos. You know, we've had several guests that were very proud of what we've done, and those will all drop later. Now, are um, you but you're as, right. We've only scratched the surface. Are you just as proud of as of those guests as you are of your UCW heavyweight champion Ethan Cross? Why you gotta go there? I'm sorry, my monitor broke up. What did you just say? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean. Saying. That is Stan typically ruining an interview within the first five minutes. It takes a lot of it takes a here, lot to. Here you know, we go step with Stan in. stirring the shit stick oh, already, okay. right? Exactly. So I'm gonna go ahead and say it. one of the people that uh, we that interviewed this, was this week was Ethan Cross. Wait, wait, wait! Hold on. Can I can Ethan, I just interject for a second? Sure. Even though you're the boss, it's Mister. Ethan Carlson. Oh my! Did you just correct him on his own employee? <laughs> really, dude? You know what? I haven't fired you, but I have week. no problem firing you. It looks like it, I'm just saying he's your he's your champion, and every champion gets his due, and it's Mister Ethan Cross on this show. Looks like the UCW. Okay, I'm I'm gonna be the, I'm one. gonna be the bigger guy. I'm gonna be the magnanimous man and magnanimous, say yes, what a word. We interviewed Mr. Ethan Cross. Yeah. And I held my tongue, and it was a very interesting interview. And for those people out there that are listening to this, it'll drop at a later date. But for the time being, Brian, you might want to see about those EBT cards. Oh. Damn. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just want to point out, buddy, that there's a lot of places that take those cards. Oh, oh! So now, now because the boss is here, you've crawled under the desk. Is okay. that what you? That's what you're saying. Yeah, you know well, what? It's I'm not about. the first time in his life he's been under a desk. <laughs> oh, you, guys are <laughs> you know I love you, Stan. I'm just kidding. That's okay. I can handle it. I'll be at the table no, all by myself. Can. We know you can. You can handle it. <laughs> You're the worst. You know what they say? Oh, oh, geez, I'm getting. Oh, okay. I got food in front of me. Hello, hello there. Oh. I'm not going to say the name of the establishment that I got this food from, because these people suck. But should we no, tell no, her what no, you just you said about what? her? Give them, give them that bad plug. They deserve it. Should we? What, what should an we absolute shitstorm that was. Should we tell her what you just said about her? I just said, who's Uh-oh. my fiance? That's all I said. Now, before we go any further, let's get the let's get the uh, C2C plugs out the door and on the way. Okay, go for it. We're not talking about hair plugs, Dan. Ah, crap. Well, then what do I got? Or butt plugs. Wait, wait, well, that's Brian's deal. When I put oh, it in no. you. Ew. Look, not the you know, know, know what? I smell breadsticks and meat sauce. Hello, Virgil. <laughs> uh, so normally we we really don't uh, plug too much until the very end. Right. We like to, uh, you know, it's like a roller coaster. You up and down, up and down, and then you just kick them off at the end. So get out of here. <laughs> exactly. You know, here, here, here's your plugs. Get out of here. But I will say this: uh, I did check out Anchor FM. I did throw a sample episode up of just me, and I really it had to be the highest grossing thing. 
No, actually. Never. <laughs> Never. The highest but, grossing episode in the demographic of 104 and 105-year-old males. Oh, God, God damn, that's good. He really, he really knows how to carry a tune. Uh, no, it's but, the best way to put us to sleep in the home all day. <laughs> well, it, it is. Now, actually, I, I've got. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. I've got to say, Stan, I, I know I give you a lot of shit, and I've fired you at least 100,000 times over the past two years. It's like a bad but I got to say, I sat there and I listened to your podcast on Anchor, and it was very well done. So Thanks. there, with that being said, I've said something nice to you. Screw you, you're fired. Ah, cool. All right. Well, it's like the fourth time this week. Um, no, but I will say that. Rob's was moving up. For yeah, that's right. Rob's like, like now he's like fourth report to the second loot. I don't know how this reg structure works. Well, between you and Brian talking tonight, I'm the I'm at the broadcast table all by myself apparently. <laughs> well, listen, you know this you know this is round table. So, you you know, anybody gets fired at any time. So, you're hit you're you're now lead broadcaster. Spin and the wheel, make the deal. <laughs> interviewer and yeah, you're you're lead. <laughs> Until I go out what to a live event and start promoting another one, and then I'll get fired. Well, no, he can't fire Rob. Somebody's got to do the voiceovers. Exactly. Oh, yeah, there's... Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian, true. we can't do it. No. I, I, so we try, I but think, we fail. I think I'm going to try and refine my voice and get, like, a deeper, more <laughs> sultry type, you know, I'm enhance what I have. And see if that doesn't work and keep me around a little bit longer. I'm already working on my twang now, for Dinwiddie, so hands, I can be like. Are you going to it with Blue Chew? Oh. oh. What is that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yes, you do. Don't lie. Does Does Mrs. Brian know what it is? You can be honest. Uh, no. <laughs> I do not use any enhancements whatsoever. Bullshit. But that tells you he knows what it is, though. <laughs> yeah, because of you two. And talking about, uh, what is it, Arn Anderson or whoever sp- the hell sponsored yeah, him? Right. Him, Tony Schiavone, yeah. Eric Bischoff, JR. <laughs> Good Lord. You know, it's a little creepy to hear all these older folks talking about them uh, blue shoes. What do you mean, hey, older hey, folks? Hey, you're you're right working on too. getting a partnership with them. Shh, shh. I'm not right up there with them. I'm still like 35. I'm in my prime. <laughs> yeah, 35, 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm in my prime. <laughs> now, it should be noted, too, that most of these sponsors are on UCWforever.com. Is that right? That's correct. So you're paid for yes, that. Uh, UCWforever.com. Click on the partners page. Uh, one of the other fine partners that we have is Invicta Watches. You go to Invicta Watches uh, and on our partners page, click on that. Uh, banner and right now they're running a tremendous sale 30 percent off that's only at the ucwforever.com page so that was a really good segue i know that's because i make puppets dance <laughs> 
<laughs> dance, dance, <laughs> dance, my puppet. <laughs> uh, it should be pointed out, NXT TakeOver in your house is going on tonight. So we are going to cut in and provide results as we go through. Uh, Tegan Knox, Shotzi Blackheart, and Mia Yim defeat uh, the team of Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae, and Raquel Gonzalez. I have to be honest, Candice LeRae's heel turn has done absolutely nothing for me outside of saying she looks great. She really just doesn't bring anything else to the table for that. Um, it's hard to really find her as a bad guy. I just don't really get into it. I agree. You know, when, when that whole thing happened at the war games, when they did that big switch, man, they really had the opportunity to really pull the trigger. And I, and I don't know, it, it could be personality differences. It could be contract disputes, whatever. But you know, at that point they had gold in the mind and they, when they pulled that trigger, it just kind of fizzled and popped. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of hesitation about what to do with her. Um, very similar to what they did with Johnny Gargano. At one point, they pull the trigger, they give him the title, and they switch switch horses in the middle of the race kind of thing, throw it back over to Champa. they get behind him, and the confusion sets in because Gargano goes from bad guy to good guy, now back to bad guy. No offense, but I'm still not clear as to why he turned bad. Like, what what possible reason he had to do that? Well, so I, I would imagine when he turned bad, because so that happened shortly after uh, him fighting Tommaso, right? If I remember right. Well, yeah. uh, what was the uh, the name of the pay-per-view? That was... Where they had that great match at, to, to end the show. So that was the the final, I think the, called, they called it the final beat. And it was an episode of yes. NXT that they did just after WrestleMania. And it was a great cinematic wrestling match. Um, and no, yes, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about before that, when he first goes bad. Oh, gosh. Uh, right? So that was last year. Would have been a takeover, I guess, but I can't remember. Which okay. I was going to so, say, I think that was so, takeover Boston. Oh, that's where yeah, he jumps Aleister Boston, Black. Yeah. They find out he's the one that jumped Aleister Black. That's correct. Yeah, and then, and you know, I, I think they were trying to say, well, Tomasa goes bad, so Gargano's got to go bad. Because even when he goes bad the first time, there's no real explanation. It's kind of like, you know, Tomasa's here, uh, well, now I'm going to go bad. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think this little thing has been brewing for a while that they're not explaining why these people are going bad. I mean, even Candace, right? I mean, is it a clear indication of why? I mean, I know she's kind of with her husband a little bit and, you know, still doing her own thing, but I mean, are you going to, I mean, sometimes you got to write it on the chalkboard and say, Hey, you know, buddy, here, here's your answer. There he is. Oh my Holy God. Good crap, Rob. Oh, we just got on the camera. It's just eyes. Rob is on the camera? Holy yeah, Rob's shit. on the camera now. Down there at the bottom. See him. Oh, Rob, what's up? Sexy boy. Cue the Shawn Michaels sexy boy music. Now, Rob, you got to do the pose. He's not doing it. Oh, there he goes. He does the one, the one side. But I, I'm digging that glorious T-shirt because I am glorious. Oh, okay, Rob, what's your take? How do how do you think uh, Candice LeRae's 
heel turn and Johnny Gargano's heel turn have come out, especially since they were briefly heel, then face, now back to heel. Well, I mean, I like I like the look that Candice LeRae has, but I agree with you. It's like it served no purpose, and I don't understand with the whole you turned him, you turned Johnny Gargano bad against Thomas Champa, then you turned him good. Now he's bad again. Like, then why did you have them break up and fight anyway? Right. You know, it's like all right, you had Tom Champa was a great heel, he was awesome, and then you turned Gargano heel because he couldn't beat anybody. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, I'm good again. Nope, I'm bad again. It's called third booth booking. That makes sense. Well, here's the thing. And the thing that this whole ordeal has done is tried to overshadow the debut, a very tremendous debut, terrific debut of Karrion Cross and Scarlett Pedreau. Just if you haven't had a chance to check out their entrance during NXT, you're absolutely missing out. To me, it's very similar of a feel to that of an Undertaker or even Bray Wyatt. It just has its own feel to it. And then at the same time, you've got very, very exciting uh, presence with these two. I mean, it almost overshadowed it. But then when you see their entrance and you see Scarlett kind of singing the theme, it's like, damn, you get you get sucked into that. I like how, how your face has a dent in it on the screen. It always has a dent. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, would that dent be a mushroom dent? Oh, it's about the same size. Uh, that's Tonight. what I was saying earlier about the mic. Tonight, playing the role it of looks, Brian is Mr. It looks like a mushroom dent. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Shots fired. Jesus. Well, I like the other day when <laughs> I like the other day when he sent you all a picture of like, "Hey, I'm growing my hair out," and the angle he used, like, "Come on, dude." It didn't work. I mean, I tried. <laughs> I did try. I, you know, there's, there's actually, there's not a picture out there. Oh well. Oh well. You missed it. Sorry. It just, it was right up here. It wasn't going back. It's just, it's gone. I had to say it goodbye. Now here's my here's my take on this whole thing. I think what happened is the people in the know were trying to do too many things at the same time. They flopped both guys, baby, heel, because they were trying to get a gauge with the crowd. And today's crowd is so hard to get a true gauge on, especially with today's crowd, because today's crowd is so fickle and is so toxic. One day they like this guy, the next day they can't stand him for whatever reason. And it's hard to produce for television, good television from that standpoint, because of the fans being so toxic from day to day. Yeah, the, the way that writing is being done right now, and we actually had a great conversation about this this morning on C2C's uh, wrestling group in our chat. Writing is being done by non-wrestling writers. These guys don't know a headlock from anything else they don't know how to do what they're doing good lord that is really close sir the problem that we see <laughs> that's a wristwatch yeah exactly the problem that we're seeing right now is we've got i'm tremendous... still waiting for my invicta to come in i don't have anything on my watch where is my, my... Where... i don't i don't have the no 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 Here's the Sorry, thing. subtle plug. You got guys like it's Johnny Gargano. <laughs> you got Gargano. You got Candice LeRae. Stan's trying got... to have a pu- 
I know, trying to keep us on somewhat of the tracks. It's, it's here, and we're here, but I'm trying to get us here. They, they're just not... <laughs> I think Brian's having guys. a brain aneurysm. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just listening. I mean, we, we talked about He's it. He's trying not to fart on camera. <laughs> I don't care. It ain't going to bother me. Now. It's not like they're going to know where it came from. So the problem that we're seeing right now is that Gargano, LeRae, Finn Balor, Adam Cole, these are the guys that right now are tremendous performers, tremendous wrestlers, but people have no idea what to do with them. Adam Cole is safe at the top, at least it seems like that, but word is he just re-signed for an exclusive deal with WWE. Some say it's good, some say it's bad, but the bottom line is the biggest fear is if he goes main roster, if he goes Raw or SmackDown, does he get basically the Shinsuke Nakamura treatment and they don't do any damn thing with him? I mean, I so, think at this point, you got to move on. You know, he's been champ for 365 days. You know, yes, however, though, he will very quickly become Asuka. He will have held that title, uh, I think it's longer than anybody else. Yeah, he definitely is the longest reigning NXT champ. Okay, so He's I think he'll up for go there. Year. Yeah, he'll go there, and he will first match get literally destroyed because they'll do something stupid like, "Oh my God, it's Adam Cole versus the returning Roman Reigns," and oh, they're gonna just they're gonna let Roman be Roman, which is the dumbest thing they're doing right now when he's wrestling, and he'll get destroyed and he'll never recover. I actually okay, agree but you. let he me ask you a question. Let me ask you a serious question. Mm-hmm. That being said, him being the longest reigning champion, why do why why does he need to drop it? Why do they need to do that? The in the days of old, when wrestling was wrestling, you had somebody chasing the belt. Now, with that being said, if the program is not working, I get it. But the program is working. So why drop the belt? Is it well, because I, I, of today's culture? They, they don't have the patience to go through the program and have the payoff? No. So in this case, it's simply going to be Vince McMahon putting his grubby little paws where they shouldn't be. Right? So Triple H runs NXT. It runs pretty good. It's a better program than Raw and SmackDown. And... Vince pulls these people up and he doesn't know what to do, right? If if they keep him on NXT, then he should hold that title until, you know, storyline or whatever dictates he should. But the the fear is by many, um, many a fan is that they're going to pull him up. And again, he will get the same treatment as Asuka and, you know, the, the revival, the ascension, you know, the, the list is too numerous to name. And he will become, you know, a, an afterthought within a month. Okay, now that being said, I'll agree with you on a couple of, of points. But that was, you know, all of the examples that you just gave was back when Vince had a, a, and his fingers were in all the pie, so to speak. Well, no, so Vince Vince kept it out of NXT for the most part, but then he would get these call-ups, and he doesn't know what to do with them because they're not the typical WWE wrestler. 
You see what I'm saying? Yes, I'll, I'll agree with that if it was seven or eight months ago. But since then, Triple H has gotten more of the reins and Vince has taken much more of a backseat, especially with him going to the XFL. Now, that being said, since the XFL with the COVID-19, it, you know, I'm sure since that closed, Vince has come back. But before that, um, Vince let go of the reins and gave it to Triple H. And Triple H was running SmackDown and Raw almost exclusively with Stephanie. Well, he should stay on NXT because he wasn't doing a good job there either. (laughs) That was the case for a while, but Vince has been dipping his hands into all three brands. That's been the biggest complaint for a while is that when they went to USA, they said, okay, well, Triple H will do a tremendous job with that. They're going to kick butt. Nope. Mint said, hey, we're going to USA. Let me just see what I can do with NXT. Mm-hmm. Like and, Matt, and Matt Riddle just got moved up, and yes what is going to no. happen to him? Yes and no. I mean, when, when, uh, when NXT really caught fire, Vince left NXT alone. It was truly uh, Paul's decision on everything. And Vince was there at a lot of the tapings, but it was truly... Triple H's call as to what happened with the storylines and who got pushed and you know who went where. So, and that being said, when Vince took the step back on Raw and SmackDown and Triple H had the helm, can we truly blame Vince? Because that seems to be the norm. Everybody wants to say the old man's out of touch. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. You know, he's got Alzheimer and he's a step down. But within the past eight or nine months that wasn't truly the case it was triple h and stephanie running raw and smackdown so you can't really blame vince quick i personally think they're just setting it up so that they can be like look what he did and they can take it over quick update with nxt finn balor defeats um damian priest I this wow feud, this feud came out of nowhere. I felt like they were going to put Priest in a position to um, be over Finn Balor and have Balor go back to the main roster, but wow, guess not. No, so no, I don't. I think Finn is safe on NXT. I think he probably asked for it, and they gave it to him. I have to agree with Brian. I, I think one of the things that makes NXT successful is Vince lets Triple H do what he wants to do. And in this case, with Finn Balor going back, everybody assumes that you know Vince is going to have his you know he's going to have the final finger in the pie. Uh, for me, it, it's just uh, him sending Finn Balor, him sending Charlotte Flair, him sending the other workers down there. It's not really a demotion. You know, to the to the the smart marks that are out there, they look at it as a demotion. But Vince is looking at it at the point of, and especially Triple H, they're looking at it from the viewpoint of, okay, they've been to the dance, they know what it's about. You know, Finn Balor, Charlotte Flair, they've been to WrestleMania, they're X many times champion. They can come down there and they can guide these young uh, workers, male and female, in the direction that they need to go.
I think when it comes to guiding direction, you know, guiding who needs to go where, there's a lot of people pointing fingers right now. Um, personally, I don't think there are any smart marks out there. I think you got marks, and you got fans, and you got those that just know. I don't think there's such thing as a smart mark anymore. I think that whole thing went the way of the dodo once, uh, once WWE went public, really, if you're really being honest. Um, I started calling them re-smarks. I, I don't call them smart marks. I don't call them smarks or anything else. I call them re-smarks. I call them retarded smarks. Because, and I know that's not politically correct in this day, but it is what it is. I mean, these guys, it's no different. And look, I, I'm just saying this from my point of view. Sure, of course. When I broke into this business back into the late 80s, early 90s, the dirt sheets were there. And Dave Meltzer with the, you know, no, all his dirt sheets. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, look, I'm just going to tell Hey, I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah, but just so you know, just so you know, though, we don't use his name. (laughs) Absolutely. When I say Dave Dave Meltzer, it's not in a positive way. He did it again. He he is the biggest re-smark on the planet. And I say that because... Back in the late 80s, early 90s, when I broke into the business, I know for a fact that the boys out there, and I, you know, I'm not talking about mid-carter guys, I'm talking about main event guys, they told me back in the day when Meltzer was first starting out that they would purposely feed him bullshit on purpose just to create the waves. And Vince actually encouraged it because Vince always came from the aspect of, he liked the controversy, whether it was good or bad, because yeah. he subscribed to the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus. There is no such thing as bad publicity. And so um, one of the veterans that I worked that was a former WWE star, and I'm not going to name his name right now because he's in a, a lawsuit with WWE, but he told me that as far back as the late 80s, early 90s to mid 90s, that they purposely fed bullshit to Meltzer and all the other dirt sheets just to create controversy and they actually got paid for that that doesn't surprise me rumor going around right now is that he's actually on a different payroll and uh, let's just say it's elite (laughs) (laughs) Smelter? yeah would know the truth or if it walked up and took a crap on his forehead which is why he's yeah, on their I, I payroll. I think AEW has already said they're not fooling with him. That's why he's on their payroll. Oh, no. They're, keep, they're all going to use him out of there. Whether it's WWE. Absolutely. No, they're, they're, they're not worried about him. him. Whether it's WWE, AEW, TNA, uh, Impact, whatever you want to call it. They're all going to use him because at the end of the day, publicity is publicity. Whether it's real or not. Or even Ring of Honor, they're they're all going to use Meltzer because Meltzer has one of the widest audience for the dirt sheets, and they don't care whether or not it's true. Meltzer, if right. if you walk up and say Rob just got signed to a ten year deal with TNA, he is the Golden Pipes for TNA, or excuse me, Impact. They're going to run that story. They're not even going to bother to run it by anybody to see if it's true they're just going to go with it and you know that's you know it makes him 
Oh God, I don't want to be controversial, but that's the reason that Meltzer has been successful because he doesn't bother to fact check anything. He just runs with whatever they tell him. And the boys nine times out of 10 sit back and laugh at the shit that he posts. So do we, so do we, we do. We, we actually have fun at his expense. Every week, <laughs> the guy just posts. He posts That's some of the so dumbest serious, stuff. <laughs> it's a serious man. It's a serious statement. This is serious business. Rob looked like he's about to cut somebody. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to cut a motherfucker. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, quick, quick update here. Um, NXT just trucking along as far as the show is concerned. Keith Lee defeats Johnny Gargano. This surprised me. Why waste a heel turn? That's exactly what they wow. did. Keith Lee defeats Johnny Gargano. Um, and and that as we, surprised me. Well, as we continue down with this card, Adam Cole defeats the Velveteen Dream in a backlot brawl. And there are opportunities that you have with NXT right now are being missed. And they're not being missed by a little. They're being missed by a lot. You just turned Gargano heel. You just gained a whole lot of heat and momentum for him. And look, Keith Lee is a stud and a star. Wherever he goes, his ticket is written. So if he lost, he loses really nothing. But Gargano losing tonight loses just about all of the momentum you gave him because now as he chases after Keith Lee, you have no reason to believe that he's ever going to get that title. And so you have no reason to now, really... Now, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How, I agree with you to some extent, but it all comes down to how he lost that match. Clean. If it was a clean... Whoever just said clean... If it was clean, there's some argument there. Mm-hmm. But, there, I mean, who did you say Gargano was facing? Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Okay, there's at least a 100-pound, if not a 150-pound difference. So all things being equal, if this was an MMA contest, who would you expect to come out on top, Keith Lee or Johnny Gargano? Okay, I mean, I, I get, I get that, but this is an MMA. No, but that's a, that's what WWE is trying to package it as. Sure, combat sports. You're right because it, you know if, if it's combat sports, and if you look at the if you look at the current state of combat sports, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. In all things being equal, you put a guy of Keith Lee's size and his agility which hasn't been seen since the early days of Big Van Vader, mm-hmm. who would you honestly expect to win that match? If Johnny Gargano walked out there and just threw him fucking down and pinned him, the, the Twitter world, the twatter world, as I call him, would be in a fucking uproar because, you know, come on. Keith Lee outweighs him and outmaneuvers him by at least 150 pounds, at least. So how is that realistic? Yeah. I mean, the idea there is taking nothing away from Johnny because he's a phenomenal performer. 
Mm-hmm. But if you put him in a street fight with Keith Lee, it, once Keith Lee gets a hold of him, Katrina. it's over. It's over, yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing. Like they, like you all said, it's just, you know, where's the direction of NXT going right now? You know, like, and I think that's the thing right now. Is like NXT, when it wasn't on USA, had its own identity as kind of the secret cool thing that you get to watch on the network, you know, mm-hmm. and then they, their pay-per-views all the time would knock it out of the park. And then now they're mainstream on TV and it's like, they're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. I just think they're trying to figure out who they are. And absolutely. Now that they're being seen more, like you've got stars and it's like, but you know, it's like the push. Okay. The push didn't work. What are we going to do with Gargano now? They, oh, let's put him in with Champa again. Let them fight or let them be a tag team because that works. Um, but if you think, like, supposedly they're going to call Chelsea Green up. They're talking about calling her up to the main roster. Well, then that's one more person that Candice LeRae doesn't have to fight. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and that's a whole different argument about the women's division in NXT right now. But I feel that. You know, Keith Lee is a monster, mm-hmm. and it's realistic that all right, Johnny Gargano will come up and like I'm going to fight you, huh? Then no, you're not. I'm going to take you out. And the only like, like Devore was saying, the only realistic way Gargano could beat him realistically is dirty. You know, right? Like the only way that. Like, the realistic, okay, that works, is Candice Array getting involved and distracting him, and he hits him with the belt, like back in the day when, you know, Baby Doll would get involved or J.J. Dillon would get involved, and, you know, the belt would miraculously slide across the ring and then get, oh, ha, how'd this happen, you know? And Well, and not, so that's not what, only that, I think the, the other thing that they're facing, the uphill battle that they're facing is this whole quote-unquote Wednesday Night War bullshit that social media created. Because NXT, before this whole Wednesday Night War thing started, NXT was knocking every episode out of the park. Nobody came close to the, the, the matches that they were producing. Right. And when this whole Wednesday Night War thing started, people started second-guessing everything that they should do. Instead of just going out there and doing what they knew, took them to the dance and made them successful. All right, I agree. I think if they would have taken, and they can still do it, if they just take what was on the na- the network, NXT, and put it on USA, you would have a great product like in a gold mine. But if they're trying to make it main event roster, and I think that was the appeal of NXT for a long time, was it wasn't the main roster. You know, it was because it had that allure of, oh, Vince doesn't have anything to do with this, you know, and and so that now it's main roster. So it's like, oh, here we go. And of course, you put it on Wednesday, it's automatically going to be compared with the other Wednesday night program, uh, you know, Dynamite. And even though if they say they're not competing or they are, it's just. I think NXT's yep. trying to struggle with their identity right now. But it's it's not to me. It's they had an identity, and you took it from them. 
Okay, so NXT was successful because NXT gave the fans what they've been missing for years, which is a show that is pure pro wrestling, right? NXT was pure pro wrestling at its finest. And then they turned it into sports entertainment. Well, the problem is we don't want to see sports entertainment no more because you screwed it up for 20 years. We want to go back to pro wrestling. Brian, not to interrupt you, can you do me a favor and elaborate mm-hmm. on how they took NXT from pure pro wrestling to sports entertainment? It, for the fans that are listening right now, right, so, how can you explain that? Now, now right, hold, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before before Brian goes into that, and I'm not taking away anything that Brian's about to say, but I, I need to interject and I need to say this because a lot of people don't truly understand this. Pro wrestling slash sports entertainment has been one and the same since Gorgeous George. A lot of people don't want to agree with that. A lot of people don't want to understand that. But sports entertainment was first introduced to the world of pro wrestling with Gorgeous George. And going forward. Oh, yeah, but because so before here, I, we went on TV. Great. But here's before the thing. wrestling went on it, TV. It was a different animal. One in the, the early adventure 90s, of TV. Go ahead. In the early 90s, when Vince pulls back that curtain and he doesn't pull it back gradually, it's like a bandit. He rips that thing off of you and says, ha ha, we're going to call this sports entertainment. Right? And then what happens now, is yes, eventually yeah, you have you this know nice golden before, period. Before Vince cut that promo right? and said that, hold on. Before Vince said that about sports entertainment, before Vince pulled back that curtain, quote unquote, and said this is sports entertainment, that curtain was already pulled back. Yes, people but didn't however, realize it, people didn't no. acknowledge it, but I, this is where I'm gonna have to disagree. In the eighties, you had the NWA and you had other promotions that were pro wrestling. And you had the WWE that claimed to be pro wrestling, even though it was sports entertainment, before sports entertainment. They've always been a different lot. Right? They've always been flashier. They've always had the cartoon characters. They even had a cartoon. They've everything about them. Okay? There's a difference between pro wrestling and sports entertainment as we know it today. New Japan pro wrestling is pro wrestling. AEW borders more on pro wrestling than they do on sports entertainment because that's what people want to see. In the now, NXT. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, hold hold on, on, hold on. You're going to tell, hold on. Hold You're on, tell me so here's the thing. If, if I can't look, talk, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm out. Bye. You're going to tell I'm me done. the AEW pay-per-view that they just had with that football field fiasco. Bye. Bye. They did I'm that uh, move off of the rafters into the airbag. Was pro wrestling? And uh, look, I, I'm, I'm not a big Jim Cornette fan. But I will agree with him that, you know, that that was not pro wrestling. I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of room for the debate, and that's what I enjoy the most out of it. But I think there's a lot of people that would say that professional wrestling and sports entertainment was exposed not by Vince McMahon, but by Harley Race. You know, pro wrestling exposed, if you remember that documentary on Fox, 
that was a Harley Race deal. He's the one that kind of started that ball rolling. I wouldn't say Vince necessarily did it first. Now, Vince did do it to avoid the New Jersey Tax Commission, to avoid paying taxes on sports. But, you know, that's that's a messy deal. And and before Vince did that, there was that whole debacle with Dr. David Schultz. I mean, there 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 were videos circulating around before all of that ever happened of how professional wrestling worked. Now that being said, the one thing that has separated the WWF from WCW or NWA or anybody else was WWF forever and a day never truly said that they were professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. They may have said it in their promos, but their product was sports entertainment, period. Going all the way back to when Hogan first got the belt from the Iron Sheik. It was sports entertainment from the get-go. It was just never spoken about. And and that's where a lot of people tend to lose. Did you lose Brian? Yeah, I think uh, I think Brian got got a little heated. He's going he's going to give himself a second to uh, catch up. We'll see if he joins back in with us here. Of course, uh, as you're listening right now, we're at c two c radio show dot com, and uh, we're talking about how WWE AEW wrestling professional wrestling has changed from. The sport of professional wrestling, the purest form. And Brian's truly saying from a a point of passion and and belief when it comes to New Japan and what they've been providing. And I happen to agree that New Japan is probably the purest form of pro wrestling that there is today. Um, Yeah, more wrestling, less drama. Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of character-driven work being done right now. I think with, with AEW, what he's enjoying the most and it's difficult for me to really speak for him but i can say what i enjoy from aew is that they're taking okay you've got character but the predominant focus is more on the in-ring product now granted and and mr devore i'm sure you'd agree the spots the high spots and the focus to super kicks and canadian destroyers is more gratuitous in AEW than it is in WWE but at the same time the wrestling that's being done the drama that's being delivered is on a higher level in AEW versus WWE well in, in for me it, it's not so much the individual moves it isn't the fact that they're doing 20,000 super kicks yeah that you know there there's proponents uh, for that and there's there's plenty of people that are against that but for me, the thing that I like about AEW is they truly do take a step backwards. Mm-hmm. Whether it, it's going to work now or in the long run, it, it they do take that step backwards and they, they have their presentation for that old school feel. And now that being said, my drawback with AEW is they take that two steps back and they give that old school flavor, but then they come out there and they do some stuff that just, you, you you sit there and you scratch your head and, and, and you know again I get it for the fans that were there from the start they understood it they got it but for the casual fans the ones that you know they're channel surfing and they click on this network this 
particular network for no reason other than, oh, cool, this is wrestling. They don't get it. Well, and, and here's the and thing. And they never with, will get it. WWE has been a mainstay of people's programming for so long that people have forgotten that, hey, listen, WWE damn near went out of business during the Monday Night War. And the reason they did that was Absolutely. because they were stuck in their own minds of like, we've got to provide cartoon character kind of gimmicks. It wasn't until Stone Absolutely. Cold Steve Austin, and really that's where the line starts, where Steve Austin is literally throwing the Bible into his promos. Now, granted, this is where Doc Hendricks or Michael Hayes is saying, hey, you know, Jake Roberts just quoted John 316. And that's where Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, is born. And that's where we saw Vince McMahon go, oh, wow, this is working here. This is what they're doing right now is working. So he did change. He did evolve. But the problem is he hasn't evolved again. And that's what he's stuck with. He got into, okay, we've gone public. Our stock is on, you know, and it's trading at a pretty high level. Even with the layoffs, even with COVID-19, and say what you want, all the wrestling fans in the world, even with the blood money deal in Saudi, and I agree, I happen to agree that that's a crap deal, but here's the problem. You've got a billion dollars on the table, damn near close to it, right? Are you going to say no? Of course not. Don't, don't lie. You're not going to do that. You're going to say yes. You're going to sign that contract. It's cash in hand. So you're gonna take it. Of course they're not gonna say and no. It's a and, he, and here's show. my thing with the whole here's my whole conundrum with that. Everybody wants to jump on the cancer culture and bandwagon of, you know, oh my god, they're taking Saudi money and it's blood money. And I'm not and I'm not gonna dispute that. Here's my point. Before all of this happened, back in the late eighties, early nineties, they went to Kuwait, they went to Saudi Arabia. They threw shows. They filmed television there. Mm -hmm. Nobody had a problem then. Right. They only have a problem now. Well, I think the the reason people had a problem or didn't have a problem then was because at that time, at least it was perceived that our government, our country, had dominion over that part of the world. Now, as we've seen— Perception is reality. Exactly, exactly. And not to get into politics, we're not going down that road here, but— what we know now is that we don't and what we witnessed with the news of them being held up and not being able to leave the country except Vince and Brock. That's a little convenient, but anyway, (laughs) with them not being able to leave the country, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get a clear view and I get it. Fans are upset. And I, like I said, I agree. It's a shit deal, but here's the deal. If I'm Vince McMahon, if I'm triple H, I'm going to take that money. Yes, it's a shit deal. But you're in a position right now. Your company hasn't done anything. Let's just be real. 2014, when Daniel Bryan wins the title, that was probably the most dramatic your company had been in about 10 years. 2004, right? WrestleMania 20, Chris Benoit wins the title. It's an emotional time for everybody. But... You get to the point where because Chris Benoit wins the title, because, you know, we haven't seen 
anything that dramatic until 2014. Vince and Triple H both say, hey, we need money. Our stock price is dropping. What are we going to do? Well, okay, Fox, that's step one. Fox steps in and says, we're going to pay you $500,000. We want your product. Then the Saudi prince says, and granted, I might have the order flip-flop, but think about this for a second if you're listening out there. The Saudi prince says, I'm going to pay you $500,000. Excuse me, $500 million, with a capital M. I'm going to pay you $500 million. Please bring me all your superstars and legends. Mr. DeVore, you're a promoter. If you're offered, let's say, a fifth of that, are you saying yes? Oh, absolutely. Tell us why. If you're a business, it, it, if you're a business person, of course you're going to say yes. Do you have the moral? Do you have the moral objections? Absolutely, you have the moral objections. But at the end of the day, if you're running a multi-billion, and I'm only speaking from, I'm not talking about my company. I'm talking about Vince and the WWE. If you're looking at a multi-billion dollar corporation and somebody offers you $5 billion to run one event a year, you'd be stupid not to take it because, sure, you're going to garner some heat from it, even if it's two events a year. Of course, you're going to garner heat from it, but from a business standpoint, of course, you're going to take it. And I have to give them credit because... You know, they went from that one that one event a year with no women involved, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, through their uh, renegotiation of the product, the women were allowed to join. And you know, you had that first match in WWE history where two women performed in a land where women were not allowed to perform. So, it, it, you take what you can get. You, you you barter, you do what you can, and you work for the best for the company. I think with with what we see, and it's, it's... You know, before we go any further, uh, Rob, why do you look like you're in a Motel 6? <laughs> he left the light on for us. <laughs> I had to go to another undisclosed location because I was getting evicted from my other one. Sorry. No. Oh. I had some family oh, things to handle. I'm saying. Oh, no, you're fine. I just moved. I was sitting in that chair, but now I'm sitting in this chair. <laughs> nice. Has anybody got a hold of Brian? Did, you know, is he coming back? You know, here's the thing. When it comes to wrestling, there is perhaps no more passionate and emotionally involved of wrestling fan than myself, Rob, and Brian. I think that goes without speaking. And sometimes, just sometimes, we get into a position where um, it gets the better of us. And I think, uh, for now, for now, I think I think Brian has just uh, stepped back, kind of collect his thoughts. And, and I understand. And here's the thing. With what Brian is saying, part of what he's saying is true. Well, I agree that Harley Race is the person that first opened that door. You're, tr- you're not necessarily off base with what you're describing. It's been sports entertainment. For a long, long time. But let's be real here. In the 70s, in the early 80s, even WWF with the cartoon, 
did it ever come across uh, until Dr. D smacked Belzer in the face or ear, not Belzer, but uh, Stossel in the ear. Did anybody truly believe that it was entertainment? No. No, the modern. No, you know what? I have to. I have to disagree with you. I have to disagree with you. Is the whole? I think that some people believed what was going on, but again, some people had the wherewithal that, okay, this isn't real. Anybody that you know that was in the first responders unit, whether there be. Uh, nurses or doctors or EMTs or police or anything else. If you looked at what was going on, you knew it wasn't what it truly was being portrayed as. You might not have known how it was being done, but you knew it wasn't what it was. Because even when I broke in back in the late 80s, people, they were like, uh, okay, I, I know this isn't what it is, but I, I, I just don't know how it's done. And because there was no social media back then, nobody really cared. It was just entertainment. It was just, I'm going to flip on Monday night, or or not not Monday night, excuse me. I'm going to flip on Saturday night's main event. Or I'm going to click on TBS at 6.05. And I'm just going to be entertained. And I don't really care whether it's real or not. I might not know how it's done. I know it's not truly on the up and up, but I don't know how it's done, but I really don't care at this point. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I first started watching wrestling, okay? The first time I saw wrestling was Jake the Snake Roberts and Andre the Giant having a face-off at Saturday night's main event. And the scariest shit that you could ever imagine, Jake gets Damien and basically throws him on top of Andre. And Andre, the seven foot four behemoth of a man, is terrified and feigns heart attack and all of that. And I remember being just captivated by it. But I was also, as a kid, I was a little scared. And my dad, my dad comes to me and says, son, you, you got to know. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I get that. But you got to, but the guy was scared. He was grabbing his chest. You know what I mean? Like I was sucked in. From that moment, I was sold. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was quote-unquote fake or real or shoot or work. or I didn't care. I wanted all of it because the drama of it sucked me in. Now, fast right. forward another six years, and I would say that's probably around the time that I was in into NWA slash WCW, and I learned what wrestling was. And then I saw it, and that's where I can really agree with Brian because the NWA and WCW was completely different in how they delivered the product, how they delivered a match, and how they delivered who was a good guy and who was a bad guy. Like Hulk Hogan in WCW back in the early 90s, late 80s would have been a heel. Think about this. He was a brawler. Absolutely. His technical skill was so limited that Ric Flair would have outshined him quickly. And and his promo was pretty well cookie cutter. Think of a guy in WCW whose promo was cookie cutter. What, maybe the Z-Man? Maybe Brian Pillman at that time? Back then, you knew the, the men from the boys, right? But WWF, yep. 
with Randy Savage, who is running just laps around Hogan with a promo. The Ultimate Warrior. Say what you will about his work in the ring. His promo sucked kids in and sucked fans in. So, WCW would have made the Ultimate Warrior a star. Randy Savage, of course, a star. But Hulk Hogan, if he had gone to WCW back then, first off, he would have never touched Flair. I don't think his match would have happened back then. I love this debate. We've had it before. I agree because, you know, when I I was growing up, you had WWF and then you had WCW back then was the the NWA. Yeah. And growing up, my mother was a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. And when we would sit there and watch the WWF, my mother would point out, oh, come on. If this was real, this guy wouldn't have made it. He would have broken his neck. He'd have broken his back. He'd have broken ribs. There's no way he could have continued. But that being said, I didn't care. I was entertained. But the first time that I turned on the NWA, and I'll never forget it, I turned on the NWA by accident. I was just channel surfing with the, I don't know, it was the four or five channels we had back then. Mm-hmm. I found the NWA. And the NWA had Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, and they were working over Sting. Yep. And it was a cage match, and I can't remember what it was. But when I flipped on the NWA, I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. WWF, it, it is what it is, but this right here is real. Yep. Yep, because and that's their what it, presentation that's what it did for me. of yeah. the product was real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was me when I would watch as a kid. Like I first watched WWE, and then I got into AWA World Class and NWA, and it was right around the, the you know eighty six, you know the night of the Skywalkers and Bash eighty six, and those matches. Like to me, that was like wow, and then. To me, the WWE at that time was like, yeah, it was wrestling. You know, it was the same stuff in the ring, but it was more of a show. It was more of, hey, look at these characters. And NWA was more like, we're going to kick your teeth in, you know? Yeah, that was the feeling. (laughs) Right. And like the first time I ever saw Blood was AWA. Mm -hmm. First time I ever saw Blood was AWA, Kurt Henning. And actually, one of the first times was when they pushed AWA, when they pushed Jimmy Snook off the top rope onto the concrete floor. Yeah. And it was like, oh. Yeah. And then the angle where they chased, then back you go NWA, and the the angles I remember are the one where they chased Dusty Rhodes into the parking lot Mm -hmm. and tied his arm to the truck. And then, of course, when the horseman got Ricky Morton and rubbed his face on the, the floor, you know? Like, to me, that was like... <gasps> think about Absolutely. that conversely. I think with... the realest moment for me was when uh, Jake the Snake DDT'd uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on the floor and he pulled the mats up. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned and that. For me, that was the most realest moment because I, I, I kind of, even at that young age, I kind of knew, you know, it's, it's not what it appears mm-hmm. to be. But when he pulled that maneuver... And he dropped that DDT. You heard his skull drop off that concrete. And I don't care who you were. 
you knew that everything went sideways at that point. And it wasn't until years later when uh, Jake the Snake talked about that and when he was talking about how Dick Embrosol said, uh, you know, I, this is what we want to do and yada, yada, yada. And Jake said, look, if I do this, there's no coming back from it. There's no way for me to do this and not hurt him. Mm-hmm. And they said, I don't care. And he dropped Ricky on that concrete, and you heard that you heard his skull bounce off the concrete. For me, that would that was a holy crap moment. Think about that for a second. Conversely, with NWA and WWF at the time, WWF at the time was a cartoon. I mean, let's talk mm-hmm. eighty six, eighty seven, right? They had one. Yeah, they had the Rock and Wrestling Connection, Hulk Hogan and the Rock and Wrestling Connection, basically, right? So there was nothing. Nothing that was close to what NWA and WCW was pulling together, what AWA was pulling together, as far as grit and as far as in-ring product. Now, WWF was at the top because they were dramatic. That DDT that Jake delivers isn't bloody and gory, but Dave describes it perfectly. Mr. DeVore describes it perfectly. You hear the crack of Steamboat Skull hitting the concrete. Now, Rob mentions it and says, when Ricky Morton's face was grinded on the floor. They would later try to replicate this in the 90s with the Dangerous Alliance when they did the same basic thing to Ricky Steamboat. WWF at this time couldn't put together a gritty storyline. When Roberts drops Steamboat, though, they knew they had something, but they stopped because... Roberts was then getting cheered. Oh, wait. Don't overshadow our golden goose. Don't overshadow Hulk Hogan. So what they do, they put him back. They continue to focus on Hogan. Of course, we see Steamboat and Savage have a classic at WrestleMania 3. We see Hogan and Andre have a classic in their own right at WrestleMania 3. WrestleMania 4 comes. The drama continues with the tournament. We talk about the tournament with such high regard. Think about this for a second. Hogan and Andre went to a double DQ. And that match, by the way, sucked balls. Randy Savage and Macho Man Randy Randy Savage and Ted DiBiase, the finals, while we look at it as, oh, wow, that was a great finals, really wasn't that great. Hulk Hogan had to get involved and smash a chair on the back of Ted DiBiase for the finals to actually end. What should have been Randy Savage winning clean. Let's keep going into this. Look at some of the entry-level parts of this tournament. Now, granted, we talk about it with very high regard. But Jim Duggan in the title tournament, what was Jim Duggan's purpose in this tournament? What was Hercules' purpose in this tournament? Neither guy was going to win the title. Thank you very much. Rob just said it. Spot filler. Here's the no, thing that WWE No, did. well, yeah, yes, I know it was spot filler, but it was also loyalty. Very true, and they're going to give the payday to the guys that deserve it, and I agree with that to an extent. But here's the thing: WCW, when they did the Crockett Cup, both tag tournament and singles, that that was wrestling perfection. WrestleMania four for the World Heavyweight well, Championship was dramatic perfection two different things 
here here's the thing and a lot of people don't understand this and they don't recognize it is that when Vince and Crockett had their perspective products out there it was two different companies presenting two different products Vince from the very get-go made no bones about it it was a show Crockett made no bones about it that it was uh, it was uh, it was you know, for lack of a better term combat sports mm-hmm. and so each station that carried them was completely different people looked at the NWA WCW completely different than the WWF because Vince from day one said we are the ringling brothers of entertainment Crockett straight up said we're wrestling mm-hmm. and that's where that's where Vince fails and, and Vince has always failed and, and you know I'm a big I'm a big fan of Vince but I will I, I immediately say that the one thing that Vince fails upon and has always failed upon is going back to the Jake the Snake versus Ricky Steamboat mm-hmm. when he dropped Steamboat on that concrete Vince didn't know how to capitalize on that he truly didn't. You know, he did for, you know, a week or two with the ratings, but he didn't know how to capitalize on it for the next series of matches. The next series of matches being brutal. You know, you know, if we were booking that match, the next match would have been a cage match. The next match would have had blood for sure. Vince didn't go that route because he was more about the show. Let me ask you a Whereas question. Whereas WCW, if that had been WCW, WCW would have booked that match for the next eight or nine months. They would have been in house shows and TV around the world, bleeding left and right. Let me ask you guys a hypothetical question. Now, quick fast forward, and then we'll get to this hypothetical. NXT TakeOver has ended. Karrion Cross defeats Tommaso Ciampa in a uh, what's supposed to be a falls count anywhere kind of contest but as i understand it it all took place in the ring clearing cross wins um and then also with the triple threat for the nxt women's title io shirai becomes a new women's champion i'm myself i'm in favor of that that's cool by me we'll talk about that here in a minute who what what happened io shirai defeats charlotte flair and rhea ripley for the women's championship in nxt Finally, the NXT Women's Champ is back on NXT. Exactly, exactly. I'm totally okay with that. But here's a hypothetical for you. So we talk a lot. I don't like hypotheticals. They make me, they make, <laughs> make me stomach hurt. <laughs> we talk a lot about, about NWA versus WWF because I think that's what we grew up with. That's what we saw, right? So when you think about dramatic presentation of WWF versus dramatic presentation versus nwa what was the most dramatic thing you saw in nwa keep in mind i'm saying dramatic not best wrestling dramatic mm-hmm. um i would have to say one of the scaffold matches okay i mean when they had the road warriors and the midnight express on the scaffold like that's to me it was dramatic but then when you go angle wise you're talking about when they stomped on Ricky Morton's face, when they raked it across the thing, when they beat down, you know, when they beat down Dusty Rhodes all those times. But then also, I think 
one of the things that sticks out in my head is why it's still my favorite match of all times is the first war games, the match beyond, you know, because when JJ Dillon takes that or Paul Ellering takes that spike to JJ Dillon, it's like, Oh my gosh, he's like really digging in his head. Like, wait a minute. Right. Right. You know, cause you're like, all right, well they're busted open, but then to actually see it like, Whoa, so I mean, there's probably a lot more, but I'm old and I forget. <laughs> but those are those are dramatic. not at all. That was one of my favorite memories. Yeah, and those are dramatic presentations, right? Now, now, Mr. Mm-hmm. Devore, I'm going to ask you on the opposite side of the spectrum. Most dramatic thing you saw from WWF? Dramatic, not best wrestling, but dramatic. Oh wow! I think the most dramatic. Hmm. It's hard. I I think the most dramatic would have to have been the Undertaker versus Mankind with the Hell in a Cell. Okay. And not just because of the stupid bumps, but just knowing how beat up those guys were before that match. Mm -hmm. Now, coming from a fan's perspective, I would have to say... Dramatic. Now we're talking about the eighties or the nineties. Let's just say eighties and early nineties. Let's try to keep it measured. Well, I think the mo- I think the most dramatic point would be WrestleMania three with Hogan and Andre. Okay. And I think the nineties undoubtedly would have to be Triple H versus Ric Flair or Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair or even Undertaker versus uh, HBK. Okay. Um, those are some of the most dramatic. Uh, transitions in this company. Oh, actually, you know what? You know, I'm sorry. Wow, I have I completely overlooked Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 13. That had to be one of the most defining moments in professional wrestling, because I don't think anybody, including the two guys that were in the ring working that match, truly understood. What was happening in that match and the repercussions of that match going forward. And, and that's where, and I'm, I'm glad that you guys provided those answers. When it comes to wrestling and professional wrestling at its finest, it is a combination, right? It's a combination of blood and guts and what made you feel, right? So to me, from dramatic effect, when Ric Flair got pile driven by Terry Funk through the table, and because it's a tie for me, that and Sting. Oh, absolutely! And Sting at the end of that match knee, with Ricky Steamboat, yeah, yeah, and then Sting hurting his knee on the crux of being able to challenge Ric Flair for the world title. That's when I came in to WCW as really being a fan for that, and that was dramatic for me. And it wasn't; it was simple. You didn't have to bust him open. You didn't have to do a lot, but by driving Flair through the table with the with the pile driver, it was good God he could be dead, right? Even because they kept they kept building up with his neck. They said, yes. "Oh, his neck, his neck, his neck." Exactly the, the, his neck, and it was actually his knee that was all jacked up. Right, and with Sting, with Sting, it was here's a guy that is your most popular superstar, and Ric Flair, your most hated superstar. It's the dream match. And it may not happen because Sting's hurt. And they released it after the whole thing with the horseman goes down. 
Now, conversely, at this same time, in 1990-91, and then, of course, that's back in 89 with Flair and Funk. For me, dramatic. And a lot of people are going to say Hogan and Warrior, and I get that. But here's, for me, it was Saturday night's main event where Mr. Perfect takes the World Heavyweight Championship and smashes it with a hammer. There you go. The world title was the actual... That was it, man. That was the top. You were Hulk Hogan. I think think the turning point in WWE for me as a fan, even though at that point I was training and I knew the inner workings, for me, I think the turning point in WWE where they really garnered my attention was Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect in SummerSlam. I think it was 1991. Yes, great matchup between the two. And people did not know... The backstory to that at that point where, you know, Kurt Henning, you know, he was in so much pain. His Mm -hmm. back was screwed up and he walked out there and he did that match and he put Brett over. To me, that was one of the greatest matches ever wrestled. You know, that's saying a lot because my favorite was Steamboat versus Savage for WrestleMania three. But I think that um, Perfect versus Hart with that SummerSlam was right up there. A match that many people consider Bret Hart's coming out party as a single superstar where he wins the Intercontinental Championship and becomes basically the legend that we now know as Bret the Hitman Hart. I mean, he likened himself to Roy Hobbs of The Natural. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And you didn't really have a reason to buy it until he beat Mr. Perfect in the middle of the ring by submission. And you're like, oh, shit. Man, this guy's legitimate. Because Perfect, just like Mr. DeVore just points out, he bumps all over the place. His back is torn to shreds. And again, this is at the, the what would you call it, the, the infancy of the internet where the dirt sheets are starting to release information. So you find out, of course, everything you learn is after the fact. So all you can do for things happening coming up is speculate. So when Perfect's back is hurt, at this time, nothing is known to the public. And then after the fact, we find out Perfect's back was hurt. He's thinking of retiring. And then in 1993, where Mr. Perfect comes back and it's King of the Ring time, we get a rematch between these two. Now the fans, especially those that have been reading Dirt Sheets, are like, oh, my God, a technical extravaganza. We're about to witness it right here in the semifinals of the King of the Ring because Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart, it doesn't get any better. Right. And, you know, another example was Bret Hart versus uh, Davy Boy Smith at British Bulldog in Wembley Stadium. In 92, yeah. You know, when that happened, people didn't understand, again, because the infancy of the business, there was no internet, there was no dirt sheets per se. You know, they didn't understand what all truly happened in that match. They didn't understand that David Boy Smith was hopped up and Bret Hart and him, you know, literally fought tooth and nail for that match. And uh, the end result of that match was, you know, Bret Hart soaring to new heights, but also um, David Boy Smith solidifying himself is, is, is the next guy. And, and, you know, that being said, with him being, you know, messed up on the painkillers, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't want to go down that route because everybody goes down that route. 
mm-hmm. it is what it is. But for me, that match, I, I tremendously loved because there was two guys that went out there. They let it all out on the table. They left everything they had in the ring and then some. And that was that was back when, technically, from a wrestling standpoint, WWF was at his best. But 1993, King of the Ring, round two of Brett versus Mr. Perfect, is also the debut of Monday Night Raw. Is also mm-hmm. the debut of what we would now call the longest running episodic television show show in history. Right, that's what WWF and WWE pertains or complete com, proclaims itself as. Right. Say it again. Yeah. Right. Tongue twister. Say it time five times fast. But here's where, and getting back, kind of going full circle. This is where Brian's point still holds a lot of water. AEW in what they're delivering right now, yeah, it's 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 a lot of spots. It's a lot of high spots. And the Young Bucks, I've I've said it, they're entertaining as hell. But I've said it. If it wasn't for a super kick and a Canadian destroyer and the Meltzer driver, sorry, I know I had to drop. <laughs> but let's think about this. You said Meltzer driver, right? Or the Indy driver is what they used to call it. Think about this, the Young Bucks. At that point, without those things, that doesn't happen, right? Go for right. Cody Rhodes, Lance Archer, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Brody Lee, FTR. What do these guys all have in common? They can wrestle. What else? They're all cast-offs from the WWE that didn't, they didn't use right. Exactly. Angry ex-WWE performers and wrestlers that can truly go in the ring but have a grudge, have a chip on their shoulder, have a reason to be upset. Well, I think one of the ways that AEW gets around the sports entertainment thing mm-hmm. is they they have the other shows. They have... I mean, because they've ingrained themselves on social media with their following, with being the elite and all those other things. Mm-hmm. So they do those things to build up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they don't necessarily have to use television time to do that. And I will say, I like AEW for the fact that it's more wrestling than talking. Right. I can't stand when WWE, when you come out and it's another 15, 20 minutes of Seth Rollins talking about whatever mm-hmm. and you know, whatever angle, and then, oh, wait a minute, here comes Drew McIntyre to talk about something for another 20 minutes, and then they have a match, and then they have a behind the, a backstage segment. Um, I truly believe you don't need to interview everyone backstage. Like, you don't need to, you know? But it's just, that's where I like AEW. I do agree. I think a lot of a hot spot, high spots, you know, I am a fan, uh, I as a fan, am over the whole everybody gather in the one spot of the at, outside the ring so the other guy can fly out. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. I mean, I am, I'm over that. I mean, because, like, you know, back when we, we said wrestling, like, you would see things and they would do certain moves every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know? But then, you know, now it's like, all right, we got to hit those high spots every night. Mm-hmm. you know and all the time and that's what to me it's just uh but then even like 
like I'm reading the Ric Flair book right now. Like I'm reading the Ric Flair Charlotte book. Yes, I've had it for a few years. Brian got it for got it for me for Christmas, but I haven't read it. I'm reading it now. <laughs> I'm slow as a reader. That's just that's how it is. Um, but he even says when he took on Shawn Michaels, you know, and when he was in WA Champ, he had a set match. He did. He did that same match every night in cities all around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, he had his moves, he had his spots he had to hit and those things. Well, then he said in Shawn Michaels, like Shawn Michaels said, don't talk. You know, and he said for the first time in his career, he didn't have a say in how the match went. His retirement match with Shawn Michaels, like Shawn Michaels said, don't talk, just do it, I, I, just go with it. And he said that was one of the best matches, but Sean even knew his high spots. Mm-hmm. Sean knew what Rick had to do and said, all right, do this, do that. And he said that he caught himself trying to call the match in the ring, and Sean said, shut up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so I think that's why we see the high spots we see in all the matches is because all the wrestlers are sitting there with their little, their little sheet. Oh, I, took, oh, yep. I got that one. Yep. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, I gotta, I gotta fly off the ropes and spin in the air, grab the chandelier, and come back in, and you know, run out to the bathroom, come back, you know, whatever. And so, that's what I like the story. Like, tell yeah. me the story in the ring. Like, the one thing I can't stand with the modern wrestling product is how, like, all right, we have a story until a pay per view, and then the pay per view story's over. And magically, you're not mad anymore. Wait a right, minute. Right, yeah. Like, I remember, and kind of going back to the NXT Adam Cole thing, like, I can see how he's champ, because everybody comes up and steps up to the champ, and then he beats him. Like it was back in, you know, early days. Well, then, my question is, who's going to beat him? Mm-hmm. Like, are they building up for Finn Balor to beat him? You know, for the Finn Balor and Adam Cole to have a square off, which would be an amazing match, by oh, the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic question. I, I just got through interviewing Rod Price, the star from GFW from the Midwest Territory. And we just had that conversation. I'll ask this of you and Stan at the same time. Name me a true white meat baby face right now Ooh. a true white meat baby face there is none in wwe or what, anywhere that's what is lacking it doesn't matter where there is none and well, that's the problem right. hang on hang because on. i've got an answer for that ray mysterio okay nope really john cena Oh, there you go. Rey Mysterio just had his eye gouged out by Seth Rollins two weeks ago. He's not a main event guy anymore. Who is your main event, top-tier, white meat baby face? And you can't say John Cena because John Cena's done. Maybe Cody? The current roster right now. No, Cody's in the middle. <laughs> Look, Cody. Cody's, uh, he, uh, Rob just said it, He's in. he's a tweener. He's in the middle. There is no person on the face of this planet right now that is a true white meat baby face. 
in any company. And that's the problem because all things being equal, what made WWF a success was they had Hulk Hogan, true white mace be white meat baby face. You had uh, Sting in right. WCW NWA. Now w, WWF followed a different pattern. They do, they they dolloped in the other the other formula of <clears throat> Hogan being the top guy. You're going to pay to see him no matter what. Mm-hmm. But w, WCW NWA at that point. They had the belt on Ric Flair. They had Sting, the white meat baby face, chasing that title, amongst others. But Sting was a predominant white feet, white meat baby face that was chasing that title. Today, there is no true good guy. There is no true baby face that is chasing that championship. I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, there's no, because it all depends on who they're facing and who they're going against. I mean, you look at. Right. Even, you I mean, if you go back to the biggest name in the business, you know, Becky Lynch, you know, depending on who she was going against, if she would, the crowd would, the crowd cheered her no matter what, you know, um, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, it doesn't matter. There is no definitive roles, and I think I agree. I think there's a part of us that's. I think there's a part of us that there's there's nothing there, you know, like and that's missing, you know, because I feel like, you know, back in the day, you had that. All right, that's a bad guy, you know, and I like what AEW does, where the 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 suppo- supposedly you know the heels come out of one side and the other and then the other you know the baby faces come out of the other side i like that it, the appearance of it's you know separated and so um but i would agree there is well, no here's straight... here's my conundrum with aew and i'm sure you'll agree with me because you and i you and i think a lot alike my conundrum with aew um, they've got a great thing going. And when AEW first opened up, everybody, you know, when you hopped on Twitter, where you hopped on Facebook, everybody was either at one end of the spectrum or the other. Mm-hmm. Either AEW was going to suck or AEW was going to destroy WWE. My viewpoint was, okay, these guys have got a clean slate. And they can do what nobody else has done. And I'm not talking about the Monday Night Wars. I'm just talking about you guys have a clean slate to redefine wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. You have the chance to redefine it mm-hmm. and make it your own. And my problem, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that I prefer WWE over AEW. So don't don't get that wrong. My problem with AEW is, you know, going going forward from their before they got on TV, before anything else, they did their pay per views. They, for lack of a better term, they shit the bed on a lot of things that they should they should have known better. You know. Um, some people go to, you know, the podcast and the things that are going around. You know, the first the first pay-per-view that I watched, they had a guy with no legs in a battle royal. 
Oh, Dustin Thomas. Not taking anything. Yes, yeah. not taking anything away from him as a person or a performer. But looking at it from the casual fan standpoint, if I flipped on this channel and I watched that, did it make sense? And so many things that they've done since then, coming from that viewpoint, that viewpoint alone, I'm not talking about the smart marks, the dirt sheets, or anything else. If I'm a casual fan and I flip on that channel and I go, wow, what is this? I sit there and go, what the hell? <laughs> and that's my concern is to them, they're taking chances. They're taking that risk and hoping that it'll pay off in the long run. But I think the one thing that nobody is talking to them about is a reality of TV. I don't and know that the that, fact that same the reality exists fan, today, though. Go ahead. I, what I was saying is I don't know that that same reality exists today for television because ratings now, in wrestling anyway, they don't matter. Impact has been on television for 16 years. They've changed stations okay, and distribution okay, I'll, I'll, channels. You know what? I'll play devil's advocate on you with that, Stan, but let me ask you a question. If you're just a casual wrestling fan and you flipped on AEW and you just happen to catch that match mm-hmm. with the Battle Royal and you saw a guy with no legs in there getting the shit kicked out of him, would you not look at that and go, come on, what the hell? You're talking specifically about the buy-in, the casino Battle Royale of, uh, I believe it was all in. Yes. Okay. Yes. Just no. Look. No. I'm not talking about the hardcore fan. The hardcore fan right, right, right. will buy in no matter what. The casual fan. The casual fan. That, you know, I liked. I liked Hulk Hogan. I liked Rock. I liked Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. I liked all them. Hey, I'm channel surfing. I watch this and I see a guy with no legs in a battle royal. You know. And in, in, you know, even even. And hold on. Before before I before you go, let me mm-hmm. finish. When you're watching that, the first couple minutes, you're like, okay, let me see what's going to happen here. But is that dragged on? And they did what they did with him. Even even the most jaded fan had to sit there and go, are you kidding me? Well, I mean, I think, like, me personally, if you watch it, I mean, I... I want everybody to get a fair shake. I want everybody to get a good, you know, a fair shake because the thing is that guy can do good things, but then it's like the outside appearance, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, what's going on? I well, mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, you see, you're looking at it from the inside view. You're looking at it from, you know, the inner workings of this business. I'm I think talking if I look at it from a casual right. fan that turns that on and goes, come on, you mean to tell me that a guy with no legs is sitting there kicking the crap out of an able body, you know, two, 250 pound guy in the wrestling room. And, and again, I'm not saying anything bad about him. He's a tremendous worker and I love his work. He's a great guy. I'm just talking about the realism standpoint. You know, if, if you and I, if you and I are in a street fight, 
You'd win. And he comes rolling up. <laughs> he said you'd win. And I were in a fist fight, and this guy comes rolling up, and he hits you in the shins. Would you expect him to beat you or me in a, in a, or in a legitimate street fight? And that's my point. Because, you know, in this day and age, yeah, it's sports entertainment. Everybody knows it's scripted. But at the end of the day, the object of any match is to, sp- is to suspend disbelief. And with that in mind, and solely that in mind, nothing else, would you expect him to produce anything more than getting his butt kicked? And and I'm just being I'm just being real, you know, you know you have that old adage of one legged man in an ass kicking contest. You got a guy with no legs whatsoever. If this was a real street fight, which you know, AEW went out of their way, and and that's the only reason I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. AEW went out of their way to portray that this was not going to be sports entertainment, <laughs> that this was going to be action packed based wrestling. Mm-hmm. So. Going on that and that alone, do you honestly believe that a guy with no legs would do anything but get his butt kicked? So here's the thing with with wrestling that we know today, and, and you bring up a good point. I mean, we're we have the luxury of being able to look at it from two different perspectives, from a fan and from those that have begun our journey, so to speak, working within. So when we look at, oh, it's a it's a beautiful watch right there. It's a gorgeous Invicta watch right there. <laughs> you know what? And you know it, it's funny that you talked about Invicta watches. If you wanted to own your own Invicta watch, now is the opportunity because if you go to www.ucwforever.com, go to our partners page, click on the Invicta banner. Right now, they're running an incredible sale. You get 30% off. You can't ask for more than that on a man's watch. If you're a father, they're having a Father Day sale. Show your wife, show your kids that watch that you want. It's as easy as that. Go to www.ucwforever.com. Click on the partners page. Click on the Invicta watch banner. And get that watch of your dreams. Subtle plug. Now, Dan and Rob, I know you guys want that Invicta watch. I know you've been on the UCW website. Which Once watch do you guys want? Uh, um, I'll have to look again and see what it's called. Yeah, I don't happen to remember the title <laughs> of the watch. But, uh, but hey, is there a watch there, there that the tells me? The problem with Invicta watches problem with the Victor watches is trying to figure out which one you want because yeah. they're all they all look great and they'll make you look good you walk in the room people are gonna be like what is on your hand so and you're gonna be like oh yeah that's I, Victor I would watch. have to agree with you because this particular watch that i'm wearing is the venom series Very and nice. the venom series is just tremendous but all of their watches you know they've even got a clearance section in diego the missing partner from this on the Diego and Divorce Show, he has about 13 watches. And some of them, they have a clearance section. And he's gotten a watch that was nine nine 
$1,200, he's got them for $100, $150, $200, So what you want to do is go to ucw.forever.com. Click on that banner section, the partners. I love that. <laughs> Look, Rob, God bless you, man. Go to www.ucwforever.com. Click on the partner section. Click on that Invicta and get that watch of your dreams. We'll go one step further. We'll put the Invicta logo and banner there, right there on the main page. We'll put it, if you look at our ucwforever.com right now, because yes, yes, I have been to that website quite a few times. If you go to that site right now, and you look under the Of course image, you've been there. You're their creator. You are the god of ucw websites. Pshaw. Go on, sir. But no, if oh, you, stop. Yeah, right, right. Oh, oh, stop it. No, really, keep going. If you go to ucwforever.com right now, you can go to the Partners webpage, and you can click on the Invicta banner. But if you go to ucwforever.com right now, you'll actually see that same banner right there on the front page, just underneath where DeVore has given Ethan Cross the business during that controversial UCW Heavyweight Championship matchup. Click on the banner, no get yourself a nice watch. Look, we are uh, we're coming up on the close of a, a really a passionate discussion, a great roundtable discussion about professional wrestling, a sport, a business, a genre, whatever you want to call it, that we all love. We truly do. And, you know, the things that we talk about here, it is easy. It is so easy. For the passion to overwhelm you and put you into a point where you just are beside yourself. I get it. The world gets it. Because, you know what? If you didn't love it, if you didn't love it just so damn much, it wouldn't get to you and you wouldn't be a fan. So damn if we don't love that. But here's the deal. C2CRadioShow.com. We've been busting our ass for, good lord, Rob, how long? Three years? Yeah, I would say three, four years. See what we did right there? We just put ourselves and, over. And, and you know what? Yes. Before we go any further, I can't say enough about C2CRadio.com. The Corner to Corner Radio Show is absolutely the most up-to-date, professional site that you want to listen to. And... I am honored to be a part of it. I'm honored that they actually said, hey, come on here, let's talk. Stan, Rob, Brian, they're all tremendous guys. And I can't say enough about Corner to Corner Radio. So you need to go on to wherever you get your podcast and look up Corner to Corner Radio. Am I saying that right, Stan? So you can find us on all kinds of podcast platforms. C2C Radio Show, Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. However you decide to track us down, hell, you could look it up by Rob Hefner, Brian Taylor, or Stan Grubb. Doesn't matter. You'll find us because we're just that easy to find. We've established a foothold, a solid foundation for where we stand in the wrestling world. And you can catch us pretty much anywhere. Hell, you could probably find us just by going to the website at c2cradioshow.com. And when we are talking about this wrestling thing, that's where we are doing what we do best. 
And we love it. We definitely enjoy it. We want to thank Mr. DeVore for coming on the air with us, sharing his passion for the business, man. Mr. DeVore, thank you. No, thank you for allowing me to be part of this humble podcast. And <clears throat> I just want to say that, you know, throughout this podcast, we, we've gotten into heated debates, but I appreciate everybody's viewpoint. And I hope that the fans enjoyed it as much as I did. And with that being said, and this is a joint podcast. So thank you for being a part of the Corner to Corner podcast, as well as the Diego and Divorce show. You can find us on all your platforms from Apple Podcast to Spotify to Anchor.fm for all of your podcast needs. Thank you so much for Stan, Rob, and Brian for being a part of this. And thank you ultimately for them to allowing me to be a part of this joint venture. Thank you so much. We've had a blast. And I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did. Absolutely. And uh, let's go ahead and just close it up this way. Rob, where do they catch you on social media, sir? Oh, on Facebook, it's Rob Hefner. On Instagram, it's RDHUWP. I'm no longer on Twitter. Really thinking about getting rid of all social media just for a little while, just because. Um, I don't blame you, bro. It's it's a mess. I don't I blame mean, you either. <laughs> I just, I I don't know. I don't watch the news either. So, um, but I want to know that you know clinic. that we're we're all in this together. We'll get through this together. With everything going on in the world, as long as we be nice or nice to each other and we have open dialogue, we will get through this. Um, and yeah, I want to thank DeVore for coming on. I want to thank everybody. This is different um, and it's been fun. You can catch up with uh, Brian at STRCP21 on Twitter, Brian Taylor on Facebook. And uh, you can catch up with the show at C2C Radio Show, C2C Radio Show on Twitter, Corner to Corner, or C2C Radio on Facebook. And you can catch up with us over on Instagram at Corner, the number two, then Corner, C2C Radio Show dot com for the website. Mr. DeVore, um, hey, the Diego and DeVore Show does have a Twitter account. And then let me just make sure I got this right. It's at. Diego and DeVore. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, uh, hey, just find us on Facebook at the Diego and DeVore show. Absolutely. And we will also make sure that we are tracking with the show and with the episodes because, uh, quick heads up, we're going to make sure that there's a section devoted to the Diego and DeVore show as part of C2C Radio. We'll make sure to be happy to devote a link there just to make sure that everybody is able to catch up with all the internet radio goodness that there is to behold. C2C Radio show, UCW Radio, the Diego and DeVore show. If you can't find it, you don't need it because by God, that's what we got. Absolutely. And just in closing, I would like to thank all of the listeners out there on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Thank you so much for supporting 
Corner to Corner Radio, as well as the Diego and Divorce Show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for allowing us to come into your homes. And even if it's for an hour, an hour and a half, or two hours, to just let us entertain you and take your mind off the world today. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you to our sponsors, Anchor.fm, InvictaWatches.com, as well as the newest partner for us, the, come on, say it, Stan, say it with me. The Rogue Energy Drink. Did I get it right? RogueEnergyDrink.com. Yeah, RogueEnergyDrink.com. Thank you to all of our partners. Thank you for all of our affiliates, and thank you so much, and you all have a wonderful evening. Stan, Rob, and Brian, I hope you all had as much fun as I did. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this, and we look forward to doing it again. Absolutely, and that's going to do it for us here over at Thanks again, everybody, for listening. We want to thank everybody for your time. We'll see you next week right here at com. Tune in. We're going to the Wolf Show over on Instagram at Brown. We'll see you next time right here at Wolf. 